Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Todders and his name is Aaron McIntyre. And of course you have a name as well. Who knows? Maybe one day we shall, we shall learn it. Um, we're going to get into a lot of serious subject matter today. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk about, uh, the continued gender lie. This is an interview we actually booked a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. that, I mean, the timing of which is just, uh, serendipitously tragic yeah um but uh, dr jeff myers uh from summit ministries is going to join us to discuss this at the bottom of this hour next hour we're going to have a special guest for fake news or not uh our our new friend dr naomi wolf is going to be joining us because now uh what her website uh, over at clout and uh steve bannon's war room they have been collaborating on going over the, the the actual Pfizer files and documents for the better part of almost a year now it seems like, and they have just published it is published now right the ebook is published now yes. I believe yes. they just published the ebook of their complete studying of the extensive Pfizer documentation on the COVID not a vaccine but a toxic poison poke, and for fake news or not we're going to find out from her what's really in there, and how. Does that jive what, what, with what we have been told over the last couple of years? This whole show brought to you by Chivalrous of the Damned. It, 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 it is. It is. So we will try to end with some good news. Um, at the bottom of hour two for Pop Culture Tuesday, uh, some of you may recall, and I know several of you in the audience were there, uh, we did our first sneak peek for Nefarious in suburban Detroit a few weeks ago. And you're going to get a chance now to see the very first reactions to the movie. This is the still the, the largest crowd that would have seen the movie. That, that'll change probably here in the next week. We'll have a red carpet premiere in Dallas uh, on Tuesday, and, and there will definitely be more people at that uh, than we had uh, in suburban Detroit, which was 200. So we had a great crowd for that, but we'll have more people for that. Uh, it looks like we're going to do a couple of other special events. I'm actually doing a sneak peek, um, kind of a thing, a church outreach for my home church this Thursday, thinking we're probably going to have more than 200 for that. Um, we're also going to do a red carpet premiere here in Des Moines for a lot of the local f- uh, f- friends and family members that helped all of us get to this point. We'll have probably around 200 for that. And then we just uh, yesterday finalized arrangements. We're going to do a special uh, premiere in my old hometown of Grand Rapids, Michigan. So my buddy Justin Barclay over at uh, the Great Wood AM, that's the big talker there in GR, uh, he'll be giving you details on that. We'll be doing that actually on opening night itself, April the 14th. You know, but um, still the largest audience up until this point that has seen the movie. Actually, no, I, I take it back. We're going to have a few thousand pastors watching this virtually uh, with us on Tuesday. So tonight and Thursday of this week, pastors around the country. So, yeah, this thing's actually going to lose its title of the largest crowd to have seen this movie in here in about uh, seven hours, actually. But um, you're going to get a chance to see people's live real time reactions. 
We'll also uh, have a chance to talk to a local pastor in that area, because I know I get a lot of questions from pastors in the audience, um, people that want to convince their pastor to support the film in the audience. So we'll just let you hear from a pastor who saw the film for himself in real time, and him and I will have a conversation about it. So you'll get to see both of those videos uh, for Pop Culture Tuesday coming up later in the program. Also want to say, I've heard from so many of you that have been contacting theaters around the country after the SOS we put out yesterday, and I I'm, I just can't thank you guys enough, man. I, 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 we, are not, we don't have the biggest audience in this industry. We certainly have among the most devoted. I mean, when we, when, when, when we ask for you guys' help, man, I mean, you guys, I mean, you guys do the full Braveheart. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm beyond humbled, and I just want to say thank you very much. It, every call you made, even the ones where they gave you the runaround, it made a difference, I promise. How big of a difference? I don't know. You know, this would be the, this is the, I've got as much experience making a movie and bringing it to market as all of you within the sound of my voice do. <laughs> okay? And if my directors are listening, they've done this one more time than me, so they've got a little more experience. Okay? Um, but uh, um, I have no idea. I know it makes a difference. I don't know how much. And it might, it might be as simple as, they that there's not much more they can do opening week but if we do well enough and then they remember the response that uh, people like you gave them and said yeah let's go ahead and add that now for the second week now that it's kind of established itself a little bit so uh thank you very much to each and every one of you i know your time is precious i I know you're not looking for to add more things to your schedule whatsoever so the fact that you would take time out of your schedules to do this on behalf of our film which almost none of you have seen is just a tremendous statement of faith in our uh, in our endeavor. And I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you. And I wanted to make sure I did that before we got into the conversation we're about to have, because it will not be a happy one. It will not be a joyous one, but it will be one that is necessary. Beginning with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by evil. A 28-year-old woman who thought she was a man walked into a private Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee yesterday, loaded with multiple guns. She then proceeded to murder three staff members and three school children at the preschool through sixth grade private Covenant School before police shot and killed her. This 28-year-old woman named Audrey Hale, again, she thought she was a dude. Nashville Police Chief John Drake provided many more details on the shooting. Our investigations tell us that she was a former student uh, at the school. I don't know what grade she's attended or grades, but we do uh, firmly believe she was a student there. No, we have a manifesto. We have some writings that we're going over uh, that uh, pertain to this day, the actual incident. We have a map drawn out of how this was all going to take place. Uh, there's right now a theory of that's, that we may be able to talk about later, but it's not confirmed. And so we'll, we'll put that out as soon as we can. Is there any reason to believe that how she identifies is, has any motive for targeting the school? We can give you that at a later time. There is uh, some theory to that. We're investigating all the leads, and once we know exactly, we'll let you know. So was this a targeted attack? It was. It's pretty clear what happened here. This was an attack on Christians because they were Christians. The victims of the shooting were nine-year-old Evelyn Dekaus, nine-year-old Hallie Scruggs, nine-year-old William Kinney, 61-year-old Cynthia Peake, 60-year-old Catherine Coons, and 61-year-old Mike Hill. As they can't help themselves, the left immediately called for gun control, but didn't stop there. 
USA Today on Twitter wanted to make sure we weren't misgendering the murderer. Tweeting yesterday evening, quote, police on Monday afternoon said that the shooter was a transgender man. Officials had initially misidentified the gender of the shooter. Newsweek posted this just terrible tweet last night. Drag shows and gender-affirming care for minors were banned in Tennessee this month, while assault weapons remain legal. ABC News attempted to draw a line between the aforementioned law banning meatball surgery in Tennessee and the shooting. And confirmed that Audrey Hale was a, identified herself as a transgender person. Uh, it, state of Tennessee earlier this month passed and the governor signed a bill that banned transgender medical care for minors, as well as uh, a law that prohibited adult entertainment, including male and female impersonators after a series of drag shows. Meanwhile, at the White House, Joe Biden was more concerned about ice cream. My name is Joe Biden. <laughs> I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. <laughs> and I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. It may be simply cosmic that this tragedy carried out by a mentally ill and perhaps demonically possessed woman came on the same day that this survey from the Wall Street Journal dropped showing which values are most important to Americans over the last 20 plus years. Patriotism is a value 70% of Americans said was very important to them in 1998, 61% in 2019, and just 38% in 2023. Religion is a value 62% of Americans said was very important to them in 1998, 48% in 2019, and just 39% in 2023. Having children is a value 59% of Americans said was very important to them in 1998, 43% in 2019, and just 30% in 2023. Community involvement is a value 47% of Americans said was very important to them in 1998, 62% in 2019, but just 27% in 2023. Money, on the other hand, is a value 31% of Americans said was very important to them back in 1998, 41% in 2019, and 43% in 2023. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And that's what happened while we were away. So, I, I hope it's a dwindling number of you, but there, there may be some of you in this audience that may think Aaron's transition from the unspeakable horror of what occurred in Nashville yesterday to this Wall Street Journal poll is a non sequitur. Quite the contrary. It's a Rosetta Stone. Are you awake yet? Is your church awake? For by the prickling of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. In just about the last 10 days, Jane Fonda went on national television and called for the murder of Christians. Last night, a professor at Wayne State University was suspended for openly posting on social media calling for it. And then, of course, you had this tragedy yesterday. There will be more of this. There will be much more. And if you dive deeper into that Wall Street Journal poll, I had that gra the same graphic that Aaron had, and I, I want to put it back up there when you get a moment, Aaron, if you don't mind. Um, that I had that graphic up on all my social media channels yesterday. Today I have posted the in-depth poll. You can get that on all my socials today. And, I mean, it's, it's, an, it's a 
it's an epitaph of a dying civilization. Except, except many of the same people that are lamenting all of the loss of the spirit, hope, heart, soul of America turned around last election and either didn't vote or voted for all the people, almost all the same people that did this to them. I mean, incumbents ruled everywhere you went. Just turn right around and hey, we'll just, you voted for all the same fiends that made you feel this way. Further evidence that, that we will not vote our way out of this. Count them, provided your vote will actually count. I didn't say this during the show. We have uh, a long-standing policy that, it, you know, when we were doing a daily radio show where, you know, breaking live events were more paramount than doing you know, a podcast that is archived, it would frustrate our affiliates, our management. Uh, I had a, a long-standing um, policy of, of not breaking in and politicizing and debating tragic events as they're unfolding before we've even notified parents and family members of the dead. Um, we, we, I'm, not, I've, I'm just not in a hurry to be wrong. I have to tell you, though, the minute I heard about this yesterday, even though I didn't say it on the air, my immediate knee-jerk reaction, and I hate this, man. I hate it. My immediate knee-jerk reaction is exactly what it turned out to be. Same. Yep. Those families and parents, it is not a coincidence. This demonically possessed fiend could have done this at any point in time of the year. It's not like the weather's all that hospitable for long periods of time in Nashville, Tennessee. Why demonically inspired now? For the rest of their lives, these families are going to associate. And they, they just, they can't help it. You're a human being. And it's just a matter of to what degree. But for the rest of their lives, they're going to associate the holiest, most meaningful, and defining moment of their existence as Christians. This time of year, Palm Sunday, Son of David, returning triumphantly, the Messiah, to Jerusalem. Good Friday the suffering servant, taking upon him the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, taking upon himself the sins of the world. And then Easter, or Resurrection Sunday, rising physically from the grave after death and descent into hell to conquer the last enemy, death. And yet for the rest of their lives, A part of them, a part of that joy has been ripped apart because it will forever be associated with this tragedy. I think there are, f there are four, I think, real lessons that we have to learn from this. And they... They absolutely tie into the Wall Street Journal data. 
They absolutely do. Because what the Wall Street Journal poll is showing you, and, you know, when I first read the patriotism number, I thought, well, hey, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty right wing and I talk all the time about how my patriotism is just about dead, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I am, I mean, I'm, my country is, is it, we, I live in a post-Christian country and it's just a matter of whether America becomes completely weaponized against, Christi- against Christianity the way the rest of the dead and dying West will. And it appears the answer to that question will sadly be yes. Um, I, I, I'm not interested in, I don't, I don't get misty eyed for, you know, for a woke military presenting the colors. I, I just, I'm not, you know, or, you know, the rainbow jihaded soldiers that I know will fire on me if the government asks them to, I, I'm sorry. I don't, that, that doesn't heart, cause my heart to flutter the exact opposite actually. So I thought maybe that's some nuance, right? Mm-hmm. No, because here's the chart again. Look at it again. Look at the trajectory of patriotism and religion, and it's not a coincidence. It's the exact same trajectory. This isn't people like me and some of you in this audience may even share some of my malaise when it comes to your previous patriotism bordering on jingoism. But look at the trajectory. They're the exact same. Why? Because what these two things quantify, the fact that patriotism and religion have declined at virtually the same rate over the last 20 plus 25 years, what it shows you is that this is a country turning against God because the country's foundational creed is that rights come from God and not government. So therefore, if I turn against the God whom my rights come from, I will then lose much of my regard for the country that claimed inspiration from such a, from such a, a doctrine, from such a claim. They go hand in hand, hand in glove. The only thing that we care about more than we used to is money. That's it. Ironically, at a time, it's more devalued than it ever was before. This is the death of a country quantified here. You're way beyond... We're beyond, this is the most important election territory here. Way beyond. We're past that point. We're, we're, we are rapidly approaching a point of no return. And I'm, I'm on purpose using a very measured tone of voice when I communicate this because I don't want to be taken out of context that I am happy about this or I told you so. Uh, I've... I've I feel like I'm presiding over a funeral. I'm giving a eulogy. The patient isn't dead yet. It's just in a hospice. We all know how this ends. Barring a miracle, you don't come out of the hospice. And barring a miracle, neither will we. So you can come and visit this patient known as America and you can talk to her, him or her sometimes and they're up and they're alert and they have good days and bad days and some days it looks like the pain and the disease is under control and they're alert and reminiscing and you're talking about the good times and remembering things and maybe even you can go for a walk and have physical activity and hug and, um, um, and, and then there are days where they just 
the pain and the disease is too much and you just stand there and sit there with them as they quietly suffer. Today's one of those days. But in the end, whether it's a good day or one of those days, we all know the days are numbered and we know how this will end, barring a miracle. Societies don't come back from the things that we are contemplating or even succumbing to. I think there are four valuable lessons that we need to learn here. If we're going to understand the times and what to do about them as the sons of Issachar. Number one, I think once and for all, we must accept that this country is mired in open spiritual warfare. Significant swaths of this country have either been demonically inspired or, or influenced or even overtaken. You're not safe anywhere from it. There is no suburb you will move to to escape it. No exurb. There is no pottery barn church that is sufficiently nice, whose pastor is sufficiently sweater vested and khakied, and has painted a large enough BLM logo during the mostly peaceful riots of 2020 over the door that this spirit of the age is going to pass over them. You're not safe from this anywhere. It's common. And it's coming for everyone within the sound of my voice who's a believer. Why? Because it has been since the third chapter of Genesis. See, we used to be taught by our churches that we were here for this conflict and we were to be catechized and discipled accordingly and to fight with the weapons of, of, of the word of God and, um, and the fruit of the spirit, the armor of God. We're not catechized or taught that anymore. And often, if you dare suggest that in an American church, they look at you, particularly the pastorate, um, like you're a radical, an idiot, you're crazy, you're nuts. We're doing good deeds here. Which means shunning our own people. Demoralizing our own prophets. And loving our enemies more than we actually love the brethren. Jesus told us to love our enemies, right? Mm-hmm. Did he tell you to love your enemy more than the brethren? Is that what he said? Mm, that did not come up. No, actually, Paul says the exact opposite, actually. Never give up doing good, especially to one another. We've given up doing good to one another. We don't, we don't stand up for one another anymore. We don't stand in the gap for one another anymore. 24 other Christian schools in the state of Vermont now. It's been, what, a two full weeks. How many of the other 24 have stood up and said, we stand with those girls at Mid-Vermont Christian School? Apparently none. None of them have. Number two, we need to stop countering and rejecting to enemy, and I mean real enemy. Real enemy stuff. Stop countering and reacting to their media. Freeze it completely out. These are, this is the, this, this is hell's Tokyo Rose. 
I, ju- I wrote for USA Today less than a decade ago. I had a prime time slot on their op-ed page less than a decade ago. We have gone from bias to malevolence. Don't give that enemy a foothold. Don't give it to him. This is beyond liberal. This is not, this is, this is just pure nihilistic, demonic evil is what it is. There will also be no accommodating any of this. None. There is no conservative case for. uh, There is no um, passive aggressive path that we've sought before. Um, Be as nuts as you want. Cut your balls off, have them reattached, cut them off again, have them reattached, cut them off again. Just leave the kids alone and let the girls have their sport. No, no. 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 Nope. Nope. Not happening. Only way out here is going to be through. Through direct confrontation that is peaceable but aggressive and uses punitively the lawful, legal, and constitutional and legislative power we have. Punitively. 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 We will make an example out of you. We will not tolerate that evil here. That is the only path forward. If we choose any other path, I have a word for you of how this will end. Antietam. We cannot live with this, for this will not live with us. We have to defeat it because it is here to defeat us. I'm sorry you have to hear this from a schlep who barely made it out of junior college and has made about three million mistakes in his life. I'm sorry the classically trained, kind, gentle-hearted pastor that you went to church with all these years didn't tell you this or teach you this, didn't properly catechize you, didn't properly disciple you, didn't properly prepare you for the true mission of your salvation, why you were really given new birth. I'm sorry, but there's nothing we can do about that now. So it is time to get tougher and put the armor on yourself then. Number four, um, revival or bust. That's the only miracle to get you out of the hospice at this point. Without another great awakening, this country will be put to sleep. That's the only miracle that gets us out of the hospice at this point. This is winnable, but in no way, shape, or form with how we have tried to fight it in the past. A political party who hates us, churches that are nicer than God, barely being involved in what is going on locally in my community, not even knowing the name of my kids' teachers, let alone going to a school board meeting. All the stuff we tried before, 
sit home, watch Fox News all day. Do nothing else. None of this, I promise you, none of that will, will win. None of that will win. And that put us in the hospice. That put us in the hospice. We went to the hospital, man. They gave us, they gave us a tracheotomy and an iron lung. We just were, we're going to keep smoking. Just keep, okay. Well, now, dude, you're in the hospice, you know, with stage 70, stage 666 cancer. So, you know, here we are. I suggest we try, call me nuts, completely different tactics than the ones that have us on the brink of losing our entire way of life irrevocably. Let's try humility. I don't mean like, you know, vows of silence. I mean like, I'm not God. There is a God. Truth pre-existed me. It's my role to find it and discover it. I don't conjure it. There's power and authority above me. My life is more than my own culmination of desires and emotions. Let's try conviction, like a willingness to stand for something. You're getting called, they're killing your children at your schools. Before they were just calling you every name in the book while you weren't doing anything anyway. Now they're just going to kill your kids. And that's when they're not mutilating them. I mean, if they're going to do that, at this point, what's there to gain about actually standing up for what you believe in? Nothing to lose at this point. We need to do this completely different. We're not a silent majority. We're just about to be silenced. So a few weeks ago, I told you about our new partner, MD Hearing Aid, and that I had let my stepdad, Jim, uh, I had given him the sample of the product that they let me try. And he has had rave reviews about how well MD Hearing Aid works. And now they've cut their price in half. Despite all the inflation craziness, MD Hearing Aid just made their Neo Rechargeable Digital Hearing Hearing Aids only $149.99 each. That's just that's right, just $149.99 each, $300. That's it for a pair of these outstanding hearing aids. Plus, they are rechargeable with battery life that lasts up to 30 hours. That's over 90% less than what clinic hearing aids costs all right so you don't want to miss it fits inside your ear no one will ever know that it was even there if you want to try md hearings smallest hearing aid yet go to mdhearing.com mdhearing.com and use the promo code steve to get their new buy one get one for 149.99 each offer when you buy a pair plus they add in a free extra charging case as well for a hundred dollar value just for our listeners here on the steve day show mdhearinga.com use the promo code steve and get their new buy one get one for 149.99 each when you buy a pair at mdhearinga.com promo code 
Steve. All right, coming up next hour, Dr. Naomi Wolf's going to join us. Uh, she is out now with the full ebook on the revelations within the Pfizer documentation that she was, uh, along with uh, an intrepid group of researchers, able to uncover over the past year. We'll also give you a chance to see the first reactions to the first sneak peek we did of my upcoming movie, Nefarious, hitting theaters nationwide on April the 14th. But let us welcome back to the show Dr. Jeff Myers, president over at Summit Ministries. He is the co-author of the new book, and man, you want to talk about serendipitously tragic timing, because we scheduled this well in advance of the uh, the events of, of the horrific events of yesterday. The name of the book: Exposing the Gender Lie: How to Protect Children and Teens from the Transgender Industry's False Ideology. And it's good to have Dr. Myers back with us, Jeff. How are you today, brother? I'm good, Steve. Thank you. Uh, heartbroken, but doing very well. And congratulations on the movie coming out. I read the book back when you sent it to me uh, last year. And um, man, again, perfect timing. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. That's very kind. And uh, I, you know, I need to get you a screener of the movie so that you, I, I'd love to get your reaction to it. So uh, okay. ask me, have, have, have your people talk to my people after this is over and I'll make that happen. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I don't even know where to begin. Um in the light of what happened yesterday, I, you know what? Let, let's start here. Major media all over the country um, refusing to acknowledge the identity or the motivations of the killer here, uh, whether it's the Washington Post, New York Times, even the Wall Street Journal at all. Why? Well, Voltaire said in a different context long, long ago, if you can get people to believe absurdities, you can get them to commit atrocities. Mm -hmm. And there is an absurdity that is part of the transgender ideology and industry that confuses people to the point where the media doesn't even know how to report this. So the person who was the killer yesterday uh, very clearly was transgender identified. And initially they said, well, it's a transgender woman. Well, but transgender woman means someone who was born a male who now identifies as a woman. So was it a female or was it a male? So some of the report the reports changed. The headlines all changed very quickly. Well, it's transgender man. Well, then nobody knows what that means because that's a female who identifies as a male. And so by midnight last night, all of the headlines ignored entirely for the first shooting story in history, the sexuality of the shooter. You note in your book that the number of children in America or minors that are receiving gender dysphoria diagnoses has tripled just since 2017. I was talking on the show yesterday about this fake debate over banning TikTok. I mean, listen, I'm going to be 50 this year. I have no interest in it whatsoever. But the idea that this somehow makes our data um, vulnerable to the shycoms who have all of Silicon Valley, whether it's called Google, Apple, et al., simping for them daily, they already have all your data. All right. They know more about you than you do. If you're going to ban TikTok, I said yesterday, Jeff, then ban it for the reasons that the shy, the Shycoms have successfully used it as a psyop to download all of the and, and showcase all of this absolute rot gut to our kids and, and create this echo chamber where the only way you get the affirmation you're probably not getting from a church or you're probably not getting from your family is to get it from the mobs contained within said app. That's that, that's the reason you actually ban it. It's being used successfully to psyop your next generation. Your thoughts? 
This is a social media contagion. I don't think there's any question about that. All of the experts on the issue are saying that if we did not have social media, we would not have the transgender debate that we have at such a high public level. In fact, the only study that's been done on this that I'm aware of showed that two-thirds of the young women who went in for a diagnosis of gender dysphoria also had significant exposure to social media. So on TikTok, the platform that you specifically mentioned, the hashtag trans, at the last time I checked, had 50.2 billion views. Oh, my. Uh, so what we've got is a social media contagion. Um, the, the administration is ignoring this. Its allies are ignoring this. But with the people who benefit, you always got to ask, who's benefiting from this? Well, the medical industrial complex is benefiting substantially standing to earn tens of billions of dollars in profits by peddling off-label, non-FDA-approved puberty-blocking and cross-sex hormone drugs and surgeries to minors. This is what states are trying to deal with at the present time. Not, you know, the whole thing about drag shows and all of that is a, is a distraction. Uh, but this is the real issue that children are quite literally in this nation under attack. It's not true in other Western nations. Other Western nations, even the ones that pioneered transgender medicine have now backed away from it entirely and are recommending therapy because they recognize that childhood trauma is the core issue, as well as comorbidities such as anxiety and depression, not gender identity. This same pattern, though, Jeff, I saw during COVID when I was on the front lines of that battle, that the best and most reliable data I could get about the efficacy of for anything from lockdowns to social distancing to then masks and then the jab came from outside this country. That other countries around the West were far more honest about the truth of whether these uh, remedies or uh, social experiments were working or not to this very day. And the only conclusion I could come to as to why that is was twofold. Number one, in many of these other uh, these other Western neo-socialist or fully socialist democracies that have been secularized and the church is really a non-entity. Two percent of France is evangelical. Many of the old Catholic cathedrals are mosques or strip malls now. And so they have they have, they have the hegemony they want. The spirit of the age has control in, in the culture that it wants. So no point destroying its own culture for a lie. So we'll tell the truth about whether this stuff is actually working. And I see the same pattern of what you're talking about. All right. So we originally fall for the canard. We see this the, the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. We don't need to use a crisis and not let it go to waste to get power that we want to occur do we want to achieve so let's just back away from a, from a, from a point of diminishing returns and get back to reality this country the spirit of the age doesn't yet although it's getting close have the hegemony that it wants and so therefore it needs to the 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 deception and distortion at a at a at a cosmic level has to occur in order for it to get that final elevate that final ring and esteem of power not to mention we are the west and we have been for the better part of a century. We, we, we held the West together post-World War I. We saved the West in World War II. We saved the West from the Iron Curtain in, in, in the Cold War. And so everybody around the world knows if the U.S. Uh, falls prey to this, then the West is dead. And I think those two reasons, I came to the conclusion that's why there was so many lies and deceptions in this country about COVID compared to the rest of the Western Hemisphere. And I hear, I hear the same thing and echoes of what you just described going on with this gender madness. 
Well, as you as you're pointing out, there's an industry component to this, and there's an also an ideology component. If you can get little boys and girls to look at one another and say there is no difference, then you can convince them of anything. They become the perfect targets for propaganda of any sort. But the industry aspect is also huge. Let's not forget, and I'm not by nature a cynic. The the healthcare industry spends seven hundred and fifty million dollars a year lobbying at the federal government level. That's more than one point five million dollars per member of Congress that they spend. And so they have a high, high motivation to do whatever allows them to gain profit, even if it means politicizing science. And that would be true in, in the areas that you've mentioned, but it's absolutely true. And uh, my co-author and I point this out in our new book, Exposing the Gender Lie. It is absolutely true when it comes to transgender medicine. I want to go back, Jeff, to the role social media plays and how much it is really the Rosetta Stone of, this, of, of these kinds of conversations in the past. If I was 13, 14, 15 years old, we're in the locker room after PE, after practice, and we're naked, we're showering. And if, if I noticed another guy's penis in the locker room, probably wouldn't share that information with anybody else. I'd, you know, they'd you know, uh, make an idiot out of me. If I had real issues with why I noticed it, you know, if I had a good relationship with my parents, I might go and confide it in one of them. Maybe I just probably in the end, in the end let it go and just move on with my life because at that age I'm distracted by 17,000 other things. In this day and age, here's what happens when that occurs. I immediately jump on social media and, and, and start asking and point out, hey, you know, I noticed this. Is there something wrong? 15,000 other people jump on social media with me, uh, especially when they see certain hashtags like what you mentioned and said, no, you're gay. No, you're trans. Well, if I push back and say I'm not gay or trans, all those exact same people push back. What are you, a bigot? Are you a homophobe? I don't want to be one of those. So then that must be what I am. And, and now we have morality, identity by consensus, okay? We essentially now, we go to the mob outside of Lot's house and ask them, okay, to affirm us. That's essentially what these kinds of platforms have become, and that's why they have become echo chambers and amplifiers for these belief systems and behaviors. And there's an underlying perspective that is is a, is a lie, but is widely shared, that gender falls along a spectrum, that you have extreme masculinity at one end, extreme femininity at the other. So if you're a boy who enjoys things that you notice a lot of girls enjoy, well, then maybe you're actually born in the wrong body mm -hmm. and vice versa for girls and boys. The truth is, biologically as well as theologically, that there are two spectra. There are male and there are there's male and then there's female. So you might have extremely masculine males. You might have uh, not so masculine males and likewise with females. If you, if you get rid of that idea, which is biological, there's 6,500 catalog differences between males and females, not just secondary sex characteristics. If you get rid of that and you say that there's only a spectrum, then there's always a debate. Well, how do you know where you mm -hmm. fall? Well, mm -hmm. it's all up to your opinion. And it's very how ambiguous. You feel about yourself. Yeah, it's very ambiguous. Is there's, there, no, is, there's no way to have any certainty about it, mm -hmm. nor is there any way for a parent to say to their child, look, uh, you were made by God in this particular way, and that's good, and that is valuable, and we want to help you become the very best young woman or young man that you can be. I think it was Calvin who said something to the effect that ambiguity is the native tongue of the heretic. All right. Mm -hmm. So we could apply this more broadly here. Um, when you're dealing with the sort of darkness and nihilism we're talking about, 
ambiguity is its is its natural habitat, Jeff. I mean, it 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 thrives like cockroaches in dark crevices. It thrives in areas of ambiguity where everything's a shade and there is no certainty, and everything then comes down to emotion and perspective rather than truth and facts. That appears to be what is happening here, and I I think it is flat out demonically inspired. Well, in, in our book, as I as I mentioned earlier, exposing the gender lie. Well, my co-author and I point out that there's a postmodern basis to this. This happened in academia 30 years ago. I was exposed to it when I was doing my doctoral work, and it, this ideology came into the public sphere only relatively recently into the public's mind. But it's been existing for decades. And the core of it is that reality is not something that can be known by us. We don't Mm -hmm. use words to accurately understand and describe reality. We use words to make up reality. So people have stopped talking about seeking the truth and started talking about speaking your truth. So confusions like we're seeing with transgenderism are all but inevitable. There's also tips in the book, folks, for how to take this on and defeat it. Read it for yourself. Exposing the gender lie, how to protect children and teens from the transgender industry's false ideology. Dr. Jeff Myers over at Summit uh, Summit Ministries. Good to see you again, Jeff. Thank you very much and uh, appreciate the book, brother. Hope it does well. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. By the way, just a brief digression. Anybody ever notice that demons often refer to themselves as they, them, and we, us? Yes, I have. Just. Pro tip. Yeah, pro tip. I throw that in there. Thoughts on the conversation we had with uh, just now with Dr. Myers? Well, he's right about um, bringing up uh, Voltaire. Those who will believe uh, in uh, insanity will commit atrocities. Yes. Um, listen, I, before COVID came along, once again, I, I told you, and I just do it not because I'm smart. It's because I have the eyes of faith. Once you believed in this transgender nonsense, you were prepared to believe in anything. And that's the point of why they do it with children. They, they, the devils understand exactly the experiment they're undertaking. That is the point of Steve's book. That is the point of this movie. The fact we talk about coincidence of having Jeff Myers on right now. The, the fact that this movie is coming out right now. It is about exactly this. In our desire to have not a single worry in the world with which the gospel never promises us in fact it promises the opposite we have brought on our total undoing and again we've been talking about this for years now not because we're smart but because it's the gospel at some point read steve's column don't, and this is my, don't go to church this Easter. If, if this does not make sense to you, if this one plus one does not make sense, because that's not your place. You've chosen a different faith. The piece about ambiguity, again, serendipitous timing. Rich Stearns is the president emeritus of World Vision. You guys have heard of that organization. Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw has, this today. Good Lord. He has a yeah. book out called uh, Lead Like It Matters to God, (laughs) Values-Driven Leadership in a Success-Driven World. Last night, last night, this is what he tweeted. 
in the midst of everything going on. Yeah, I saw this. Beware of those who are certain that they have the truth. Oh, my god. Because that certainty is usually weaponized. The Romans, the Pharisees, the Crusaders, the slave traders, the segregationists, the Nazis, Stalin, Mao, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Putin, Kim Jong-un, fill in the blanks. So beware of I'm Jesus. Sorry, Doctor, I am the way, I'm, the truth, and the I'm, I'm truth incarnate, Jesus I'm, said. Beware I'm sorry, of Mr. Stearns. The truth just is. It is. Ambiguity is the damn weapon. Ambiguity is the weapon. That was the lead. That's the weapon that we see everywhere around us right now. We don't know what this is. Ambiguity, as you just mentioned, Steve, and channeling what was a Calvin, I believe. That is the main reason mm -hmm. we are where we are. It's a rejection of truth, which just is. And so something has to fill that void. And that void is being filled by ambiguity everywhere you look. Well, let's get some clarity, shall we? That'd be nice. What did Pfizer know, and when did they know it? Let's find out when we return. Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here, alongside Totters and Aaron McIntyre. And of course, all of you, and all of you, though hopefully not all at once, can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. -E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Gitter, Instagram, uh, and over on TikTok as well. Then look for me on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace. At Real Steve Dace, and the last name, remember, is spelled D-E-A-C-E. -E. Thank you to all of you that have left us a five-star review. Hit subscribe or follow if you are a podcast listener you are a big part of our audience thank you if you've yet to do those things please consider doing them for us today they do help us to find more podcast listeners just like you coming up at the bottom of this hour pop culture tuesday and you're going to get a chance to actually now see the first reactions we got from my movie nefarious hitting theaters nationwide on april the 14th the first reactions that we had right out of the theater from people that saw the first sneak peek in suburban detroit just a few weeks ago i was reading during the break newsweek magazine actually has a pretty big spread on the movie right now hmm. and so i was just reading some of the things that uh, they were saying about uh, the film and others that are in this uh genre uh and dealing with uh demonic uh, the demonic and spiritual warfare so i was just had a chance to look at some of that during the break so it was fascinating uh, to see some of that maybe we'll discuss it here at the bottom of the hour but uh, before we do that a reminder from our friends over at constitution wealth make sure to check them out because together they will work with you to create a financial plan based on your values so that your values align with your finances um, you don't have to any longer Put your investments and your values at odds. They can teach you how to put both of those things to work for good for the kingdom at investwithcw.com slash Steve. CW for Constitution Wealth. Investwithcw.com slash Steve. Releasing on Friday. A very important, momentous work that a lot of people have put a, a lot of work into, spearheaded by two individuals and uh, their respective associates, uh, Steve Bannon over at uh, the War Room, and then the a friend of the show who's back here with us again, Dr. Naomi Wolf. The Pfizer Documents Analysis reports, what did Pfizer know and the government know 
and when did they know it. You can pre-order it right now. It is releasing on Friday. And to give us a preview and to be our guest here for the segment of the show that we call each week Fake News or Not is our good friend, Dr. Naomi Wolf. It is a pleasure to have you back with us, Naomi. How are you? It's, it's great to see you again, Steve. I'm, I'm really well. How are you? I am doing very well, although I can, I can sense that by the end of this conversation, my temper may not be as we get into some of the specifics of this. Let, let's, let's start with, um, uh, with something good, shall we? Can you describe the combined effort both within your own organizations, for, for Steve over at War Room, yourself, Daily Clout, um, your followers, um, people around the country, volunteers, etc. The amount of work that went into unraveling these documents that they tried to, what was it, 70 years or something they were going to say they, that we couldn't see for, you know, until then. How much of a Herculean task was this to bring this to the average American, Naomi? Uh, well, it was a Herculean task, I, and I can't take uh, credit for the, the massive amount of labor. Um, it came together in a really miraculous way. Uh, the call, So you're exactly right that um, there were these tens and tens and tens of thousands of documents being released due to a successful lawsuit by Aaron Siri. Um against the FDA. And the FDA asked the judge to keep these documents secret for 75 more years. And the judge said, no, thank God. Um, So they had to be released. But uh, we were looking at a journalistic black hole because they're very technical and even journalists with the best of intentions uh, would have trouble understanding them. And they're also so vast that uh, it really needed to be crowdsourced to experts. So Steve Bannon, I think, um, came up with the idea. I don't even remember how it happened, but on his show, we put out a call for experts to to volunteer to read through the documents. And we got first 2,500, now 3,500 unbelievable experts, medical and scientific experts, mm. med- fraud investigators, biostatisticians, physicians, RNs, um, lab clinicians, biologists, research scientists of all kinds who have united to read through these documents and issue these uh, now 64 reports and 46 of them are in the Pfizer documents book that indeed is being released on Friday. We actually released it about a week and a half ago and sold out immediately. So we had to go back to press. But it is it is as, as happy as that is that the news overall is very, very sad because it is uh, absolutely a record, as you and I have discussed, of the greatest crime against humanity ever committed. Hmm. And work, I mean, it's, un, it's just to your point, it, it's unbelievable that 3,500 people under the leadership of this amazing project director are now our CEO, COO, Amy Kelly, um, for, for nothing but the good of humanity, have devoted you know, months and months and months, almost a year, to um, reading through and, and explaining in lay terms that anyone can understand what's in these documents. That was my next follow-up, an obvious question. You know, I, I mean, I, I went to public school and barely made it out of community college, okay? So, I mean, I, I, I did not think I was going to get into this business. I didn't know the difference between a T-bone and a T-cell, you know? So I had to, I had to do four years and three years and, and of high school and three years of college on virology and immunology in about three and a half weeks at the at starting right. in March of 2020 to know what in the Sam Hill I was even reading, let alone talking about. Is this, when, when the average person picks this up on Friday, are they going to be able to not just understand it, but in terms Internalize it in a way that they can now explain it to their family members and their neighbors, et cetera. Well, that's where I am really proud and I, I can kind of take some credit. Um, I did work very hard to 
um, teach the volunteers how to write for an ordinary audience, a lay audience, people like you and me, um, who are not uh, doctors or scientists. And Amy Kelly also worked very hard to teach them to do that. So, And so these reports would go back and forth until they were understandable to everyone. So 100%, if you have a high school education, you can pick this book up and you can understand exactly what happened. Um, then they explain, you know, how it happened. And that may make your eyes glaze over for a paragraph or two. But the, the bottom, the, the top line and the bottom line are right there. You know, Pfizer knew, for instance, within a month that the vaccines didn't work. Um, and that's right there in plain English. They knew by November of 2020 that the vaccines had failure of efficacy and vaccine failure and that the number one side effect was COVID. I'm sorry, the number three side effect was COVID. Um, they knew within by April uh, of 2021 that uh, 35 minors had sustained heart damage after having been injected with this material. They didn't let the world know till four months later. Um, this is, you know, in, in simple, clear English. They knew uh, within a few months that they had to hire 2,400 full-time staff to process the flood of adverse events, meaning bad things, reports that were coming in. Um, there's this 360-degree attack on human reproduction that's right there in black and white. Um, you know, sperm counts dropping, damage to the testes of little baby boys and baby boys in utero, um, to women's ovaries from lipid nanoparticles accumulating, and there being no way for the body to get rid of them, which explains a lot of the you know, menstrual damage we've heard of. These charts in the Pfizer documents that show like 20 different names for horrible things that Pfizer knew they were doing to women's menstrual cycles. Um, you know, you can see the thousands of cases of strokes, hemorrhages, blood clots, lung clots, neurological disorders. You can understand exactly how the lipid nanoparticles keep nerves from functioning correctly, that the lipid nanoparticles traverse every membrane. And, you know, of course, the nerve function is is a membrane, right? And that has electricity going over it. So they explain very clearly how the lipid nanoparticles disrupt that, which explains why there's so much dementia, Parkinson's, Bell's palsy, Guillain-Barre, you know, neurological degeneration. Uh, we just have a new report explaining the turbo cancers. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on. Um, the, some of these things are so unbelievable. I mean, it's all unbelievable, but it's, it's like Mengele level experimentation on human beings. Like, in the Pfizer documents, they knew that the polyethylene glycol, which is a petroleum byproduct, was coating the lipid nanoparticles, which is the little industrial fat that carries the, the mRNA payload. And of course, this gets into women's breast milk if they're vaccinated. And so Pfizer is like calmly recounting that four women who were lactating, who were vaccinated, had blue-green breast milk, and that all these babies are going to seizures and one baby oh, died. Um, and so the baby die-off that you see around the world, um, this and other things, the lipid nanoparticles traverse the placenta, right? So women's placentas are compromised. So th there's a section of the Pfizer documents where over 80% of the pregnant women um, have miscarriages or spontaneous abortions. Um, certainly it's important to know, and this is right there in black and white, super clear English, shedding. I get asked about this a lot. 
is shedding real? Pfizer knew that shedding was real. They defined shedding in the Pfizer documents as skin contact, inhalation, and sexual intercourse with vaccinated men, I'm sorry to say, and specifically at the moment of conception. So they warn vaccinated men not to have intercourse with childbearing age women or to use two effective methods of birth control if they do. So they knew that there's something in that you know that that women are being exposed to the vaccine through body fluids of, of vaccinated people, and this explains so many mysteries um, that people have had about like why do I feel sick around vaccinated people, or you know why is my cycle mm-hmm. changing? Asking me around vaccinated people, um, so they knew that. I mean, they're so evil. They basically weaponized the human body um, and 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 created this bioweapon to transmit um, literally in, in sweat and saliva and hugging and kissing and sexual contact and, you know, people being close to each other. So I'm glad we mentioned at the very top those who made bringing this truth and clarity possible because I knew once we got into the conversation, my blood pressure was going to rise. And... I mean, I, I, when you have when you have read and studied as much of this stuff as people like you and I have, almost from the beginning of this scamdemic, and I mean, I just went through an exercise last year writing a book talking about all the uh, groups of people that have suffered and hearing their testimonies. You think you've heard it all. You think maybe I'm jaundiced now. I, I still can't uh, risk losing my temper and getting angry at being exposed to this. But just to hear you itemize all of these things. Let me take a step back and try to practice something that is in short supply in our culture today. Empathy. Is it is is it is there a benign, innocent explanation for anything that you just itemized from their own documentation? Is it is it is it possible? believe I'm trying this is me trying because my instinct is erect the gallows so this is me trying here okay is it possible they knew this virus was of an unknown origin they knew it was at the very least some chimeric concoction uh, experiment in a lab if not an outright bioweapon and so they had to essentially make a Hobbes lady or the tiger choice here. And they just said, you know what? Yes, there is an escalating side effect profile with this, but we may have just unleashed Captain Trips on the world. And so the risk, the risk benefit ratio here is inverted, given what could be an existential threat of whatever the hell came out of that lab. Is, is it is anything like that that, get, that takes us beyond just gross malevolent negligence Um cosmic levels of greed and human chattel experimentation is there Uh, any explanation other than that possible here so i understand your question and i understand also the reason you would want to ask it i i want to ask myself the same question i would like to wake up and this is all a dream or a nightmare um because if we live in a world in which a gigantic company got billions of dollars intentionally to harm, disable, murder, and sterilize the human population, um, that, that's a whole new world we're living in. Um, so I'm so sorry, Steve, to say that there is absolutely no explanation apart from this was intentional. And this is why I keep saying over and over, it's a bioweapon. Um, we haven't talked about the role of China in manufacturing it and owning the IP. I can get to that. But even, even all of that apart, anyone who reads this book 
will see that there is no way this was an innocent um, effort. Uh, it's murderous from the start. And here's here are just some some reasons I'm certain that that's true. Um, again, the report that shows that they knew within four weeks of rollout that it wasn't effective. You know, if if you have a a vaccine that's not effective, there is no cost-benefit analysis, mm-hmm. right? It's not, they knew it was not going to stop COVID, let alone affect transmission. Mm-hmm. And the whole, you know, global rollout of the vaccine passports and the mandates and the discrimination was predicated on this lie that it affected transmission. They knew it didn't. Um, you know, having said that, then you get into, you know, April, May of 2021, and they knew perfectly, by then it was fully established that healthy young adults were at vanishingly non-existent risk of death from COVID. And you see that 35 minors sustained heart damage within a week after injection. Well, that's clearly, you know, bad for young adults, right, who are not at risk from COVID. And then they just went right ahead and, and supported the mandating of, to this day, of college students and the military, young adults, people who haven't had their kids yet, you know, let alone lived a, a long and and healthy life mm-hmm. um that you know here's one i mean you know and i went into this the bodies of others my book about the covid uh pandemic the people who died with covid their average age was 83 the average human lifespan is in america is 81 so the people who were counted as dying of covid or with covid were taken from among the category of people who die i mean there's probably, well, there's no nicer way to say that. Mm-hmm. So the the whole cost benefit, the whole kind of presentation that this was a, um, a pandemic, it, you know, it, and the, the dictionary definition of a pandemic is severe, you know, and fatal disease across a wide geographical area. It's just not the case. It's just not true. I also talked in the bodies of others about the PCR tests and how those all of those um, dashboards that showed like massive death and massive infection. No one was allowed to look at data sets um, going in into those. And when they were audited, it turned out that they were exaggerating. You know, by 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 many many factors. So I guess what I'm trying to say is your question predicates that there was a devastating, um, you know, 1918 influenza type, you know, typhus, cholera type, mm-hmm. um, nervous, uh, pandemic. And the analysis of the data by many thoughtful people, including myself, shows that that's not true. It's not that COVID isn't a bad thing. It's also a bioweapon, as we now know, you know, as evidence is emerging, also released by the Chinese. But there, there was no, and these are the same people, the same people released the bioweapon, funded the research, you know, of the virus and, and are invested in the vaccines. You know, NIH is invested in vaccines. D- Dr. Fauci has patents that were used. He, they, you know, Stéphane Bancel told, uh, told Rand Paul last week or this past week that he gave a $400 million check just at Christmas. We don't know how many other $400 million checks went to NIH for the patents. That goes right into the pockets of who, um, who who own the patents. And again, Dr. Fauci owns eight of them. So we don't know if those are the patents, you know, that this royalty represents, but we know that, um, that, that you know, Dr. Fauci got a million dollar check from a random Israeli uh, philanthropy, right? What What is that? Who Who is that? How many shell companies 
like two or three, I'm sure it would be hard to find out who's really behind that million dollar check going to a civil servant's pocket, right? So, and, and the people who bought up the media, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, are invested in the vaccines. And the people who silenced and smeared and deplatformed people like me, tech companies like Twitter, now seen colluding with the White House and, and HHS and DHS to ban people like me um, and the Great Barrington Declaration and Matt Taibbi and so on, um, they profit from the vaccines. And Google is invested in the vaccines. And Mark Zuckerberg and the Zuckerberg Foundation is invested in the vaccines. So I guess my, my big picture answer to you is, is no, um, you know, for all of these reasons. But also once, even assuming they really believed that there was this murderous thing and even taking aside, which is hard to do, the fact that within a month they realized their vaccine, this vaccine didn't work to do anything useful to this virus. Um, once you get into 1,200 plus deaths, which are recorded in the Pfizer documents in the first three months of rollout, mm -hmm. uh, and you see that you have disabilities at scale. Historically, 50 deaths, you stop, you stop it, you pull right. it. Right. It's not even effective. That's a lie. Um, you know, let alone the, um, I mean, the, 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 the numbers of what they did. Oh, here's just one. They knew that the injection caused liver damage. Uh, they knew that it bioaccumulated in the liver, as I mentioned. So they went ahead and injected a bunch of people and they found out that 61 people died of liver damage. Half of the adverse events were within 48 hours. One, one person who died was a seven-year-old girl, and they put that in a footnote. You know, they, they, they inflicted kidney damage on a two-month-old baby. And by the way, there are, there are babies who show up as experiment subjects in the Pfizer documents. Where are they getting these babies from? It's not legal to inject a baby, you know, with this experimental material. It certainly wasn't at the time that they were doing it. There was no emergency use authorization for babies. So somehow Pfizer, and this is like why I say Mengele level, and I'm Jewish, right? Mm -hmm. I don't say this Pfizer is, is trafficking, they're acquiring tiny babies and injecting them with this experimental material. And, and the babies in the Pfizer documents are going to seizures and they're dying, or they're sustaining kidney damage, or the children are sustaining you know, liver damage, or they're dying, or uh, I'm sorry, seven-year-old girl sustained a stroke. Um, a seven-year-old girl sustained a stroke. Uh, and and it's just so so much harm like you can't even believe it and so and not only is there so much harm but it's like this again i keep going back to the reproductive thing this is a respiratory pathogen steve so you'd think they'd be studying coughing you know breathing um nasal infections they're studying genitals mm -hmm. they're studying mammalian genitals they're looking they they're identifying 16 percent dr chandler's report shows this of the 72 percent of the adverse events as being in women as reproductive disorders their language and so they're doing things like mating vaccinated male rats with unvaccinated female rats and then they sacrifice the rats and they they dissect and analyze the cells of their sexual organs, right? They're so focused on disrupting uh, fertility and they know it. They know, they, like as a woman, to see this chart in really scientific language, mm -hmm. which is right there in the Pfizer documents of 20 awful, awful things that happen to your menstrual cycle, rendering you infertile. 
whether it's literally they have scientific names for you bleed every single day of every day of your life. You have two periods a month for the rest of your life, presumably. You don't have any periods. Of course, you won't have any babies if that's the case. Um, you know, you have agonizing cramps and are disabled and can't work or look after your kids. I mean, they just, what's so Nazi-like about it, and you and I have talked about your wonderful book, um, The Rise of the Fourth Reich, but what's so Nazi-like about it is this detached clinical assessment. Mm-hmm. Oh, those, and these are tens of thousands of women. Those 20,000 women have two periods a month. Check. Um, those you know, 15,000 women aren't menstruating at all. Check. You know, and they just kept going and they didn't stop everything and say, you know, oh my God, we're so sorry. You know, this is horrifically destroying um, human fertility. It's ruining women's menstrual cycles and menstrual health. We'll stop right now. Nothing like that. Um, and, and I mean, the things it causes that you would not know because the American College of, uh, you know, obstetrics and gynecology, but also like all the professional AMA organizations are bought up by, you know, Pfizer and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. People constantly write and say, you know, my loved one has turbo cancer. Can you look? Well, we found the mechanism for the turbo cancers. Or um, you wouldn't know this. The number one side effect is joint pain. No one, no one, the CDC, no one says you have a high risk of joint pain from this injection. Hmm. I know so many healthy young people who are limping, had knee replacements, shoulder replacements, because the particles degrade the cartilage, right? Of course, you're going to have joint pain. And they have no idea. And their doctors have no idea what's going on. Second most common, muscle pain, crippling muscle pain, myalgia. It's understandable. This material is creating an inflammatory context in your whole body. I know healthy adult men in their 50s took great care of themselves, you know, exercise, eat right, agonizing, horrible quality of life from constant muscle pain. They can barely walk. Nobody's telling people this at scale. I mean, things you wouldn't expect, eye problems, you know, um, diabetes, uh, so much asthma. Well, we know about the blood clots, the lung clots. Our experts have found the mechanism for that. It'll horrify you. Um, the lipid nanoparticles solidify at room temperature. So they're designed to clot in the human body um, and and damage, you know, damage damage people's hearts as, as the blood flows through the heart. So I could go on and on, but no, to answer your question, there is literally no way. I would love it if there was some way you could look at this and think these people are just really stupid or really bad scientists. But there's there is no way you could look at this and not conclude this is a murderous deliberate attack on um, on on the West. And the last piece of evidence I have, in addition to China's involvement, is out of 42,000 adverse events, Steve, 36,000 took place in the United States. The next largest tranche was Western Europe. So in an order of political importance, Britain, Germany, France, Italy, Spain, Greece, excuse me, and then all the rest of the world, all 50 plus countries combined, only, excuse me, where this was rolled out, only 7,000 um, adverse events. So it's disproportionately designed to target the United States and the West. And that's what China wants to do is mm. able bring to its knees the United States and the West. Incredible. Um, comes out on Friday. You can pre-order it right now at Amazon and also at dailyclout.io, dailyclout.io, if you don't want to give Jeff Bezos your money. 
Pfizer documents analysis reports find out what Pfizer and the FDA tried to conceal. Naomi, thank you. Uh, you know, please, uh, on behalf of our entire show and all of our audience, thank uh, Mr. Bannon and every one of your people that uh, that gave their time to really this um, service to to humanity. I don't know how else to put it. Really, uh, to to bring us this sobering and enraging information. It's good to see you again, though. Thank you very much. You too, Steve. Thank you. And I also just want to thank Mr. Bannon so much. I'm, I don't think any of this would have seen the light of day without him. Um, and thank Amy Kelly as well, who's the leader on this. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. You bet. Take care. You too. Thoughts? I'd like to quote Naomi is a writer uh, and she said something over and over and over and over again, and rightly so. And in this case, it's true, but I hope it's also for effect. The next book she writes, it should be this. They knew, they knew, they knew, they knew, they knew, they knew. Secondly, how do they get away with something like that? Well, it's because for so long, in so many areas, we have given all manner of existence so we can be comfortable over to these thing people called experts. And they've stolen everything from us. It used to be our responsibility as people. There's a, Naomi's not a scientist. Steve Dace, not a scientist. But from the beginning, they just went to work. And that's what you should be doing on all kinds of fronts. You've been told as a parent in so many walks of life, sit over there, parent. We've got this. We're the experts. Stop doing that. It's made you soft and stupid. Let's just pretend for a moment, if you will. Let's pretend that all of this, as much as possible, research into the COVID mRNA vaccines, <clears throat> jabs, was as done as much as possible on the up and up with the motivation of saving lives. Not for the motivation of a depopulation scheme, whether explicit or just because they're demonically motivated, not for that motivation, not for the motivation of increasing the, f the share prices for Pfizer and Moderna, but it really truly was for the purpose of saving lives as much as we possibly could. Who gets to determine? Mm -hmm. Who gets to determine? And how are they making that determination of what the risk-reward ratio is? of where the line is for the greater good. Is it the same people who saying, yeah, trans all the kids? Are they the ones that get to make that determination? Our, our medical industrial complex is a demonic mm -hmm. construct. A lot of those demonic constructs going around these days. We'll discuss them even more when we return. I want to share something for, with you that uh, I just received from a listener to our show who works with uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs out in California, Calvary Chapel Church out there. 
Was the act of insanity in Nashville an act of random murder or a targeted act against Christians? The answer to that question is yet to be known regarding the Nashville Christian school shooting victims. But this we do know. It should be evident to all who are keeping a finger on the pulse of our nation that we have come to a crossroads that will most likely determine the destiny of the United States. The horrific and senseless attack in Nashville is a commentary on the soul of America, and it's clear that America's soul is sin-sick. The gospel has been rejected by our government. The word of God has been rejected by woke pastors and churches, and our nation has loosed itself from the moorings of God and his truth. The Bible tells us that God's grace is what protects us and sustains us, and without his protection, we have no safety whatsoever. God has warned us that if we push him away and we leave ourselves unprotected and vulnerable to the evils of the human heart and man's fallen nature, and that the only answer to what's happening in our nation is not more laws and certainly not more gun control, because laws cannot change the human heart. Only Christ can do that. This is why I'm inviting all of you to please join us in an online or in-person time of national prayer for the victims, the families, and the community of Nashville. It's not too late, not yet. The Lord is waiting to hear from us. Our nation has certainly lost its way, and we may be lost as a nation, even as our enemies are at the gates. However, as a people of faith, we can choose to turn back to our nation's beginnings and to him who is mighty to save. As a people, we must receive the conviction of sin and offer to God a heart of repentance so that we might turn to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. By God's grace and invitation, we can stop this. Together, as a people, let us rend our hearts, asking God to forgive us of our sins and pray that God would forgive the grievous sins of our nation. It is now incumbent upon me to ask you to consider joining us live Wednesday. March 29th at 7 p.m. Pacific time as we dedicate our service to praying for our nation and seeking God for his mercy. That is from Pastor Jack Hibbs, Calvary Chapel out in California, whom I do not know, but I know a lot of you do because I hear from you all the time sending me his material. And I, from what I have seen, I have been inspired and impressed. And I just thought I'd pass that along. Which brings us to Pop Culture Tuesday. And <laughs> it was so frustrating all these years waiting to get to make this movie and the, the, the trek and the chore the last couple of years of actually making it. And you can look back now and you can see what is happening in our country right now. And imagine if we would have come out with this movie two, three, four, five years ago. Would it seem as as relevant as it seems right this minute. No. 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 And so now you can kind of see that this is this this is probably why we endured all of that. Because this is actually the moment that this culture needs to see this movie. That 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 our unbelieving friends and family members, however well intentioned they may be, they are standing at the mouth of madness. And they are about to plunge belly flop first and that splash is going to hit us all and we get into that level of darkness there is no coming back and that it needs to be confronted with the true origins of its worldview of its belief that it's enlightened when it's really foolish hearts that are darkened in its belief that it's figured everything out when really the fool says in his heart there is no god it needs to be confronted with this before we reach a point of no return that we may already be at for all we know And so that is why we made this movie and made it the way that we did. We did our very first screening in suburban Detroit three weeks ago. Here's the reaction. 
I just saw the movie Nefarious, and I'm telling you, you have to go see this. I have to tell you, seeing you guys here, and it's just to, the, the energy, um, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of choked up just being around you guys. I cannot wait to sit in this theater this afternoon and get your reactions to what you are about to see. Its moral premise was really deep, and it tackled a lot of hard issues that I feel are uncomfortable. I found it really thought-provoking. It wasn't a movie where it went out of its way to tidily wrap up and give you answers to things. It's a movie that makes you want to think more about the question itself. So I, I, I would encourage people to go see that if you're, you're willing to look inside a little bit. I feel like it does a good job of making you like challenge your own beliefs and you kind of put yourself in the shoes of the characters in the film. Throughout the movie, I kept thinking to myself, what a harsh reality this is on what's going on in the world. And it's just, everybody needs to see this movie. I would recommend this movie to all my friends. It was well done, it wasn't cheesy. And so when I go to invite my friends who would never go to a movie like this, They'll definitely come. The acting was superb, and it really had you believe in the story, and it had you gripped. I recommend you should go see it. Uh, definitely will make you question some things. It'll definitely make you think about things differently. I didn't know what to expect seeing this film, but it really invokes thought, regardless of what you believe, and I highly recommend this film. I believe this is an Oscar-worthy performance by uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, and you definitely have to take everyone you know to come see this. It grabs you right from the very beginning, and you feel glued to your seat. There's gonna be moments where you're gonna feel like, I wanna get up, I dare you to stay to the end. Nefarious is fantastically uncomfortable. Go see the movie. I really think everybody needs to see this movie because of what we have lived through the past few years. Everybody kind of knows there's something going on in the world and that something is just wrong, but they don't quite know what. This movie is gonna explain it for you. The whole possession side of it is done really, really well. Like nothing you've seen before. Our culture is at a very dark brink. It is about to make some permanent decisions, the kinds of decisions that cultures don't return from when they make them. And so we are trying to reach them in a way that they are accustomed to being communicated through. When your culture is in a position where you can present it things that are objectively true and it doesn't want to hear them, it doesn't want to react to them, you are at the brink. And so the young people especially, this is for you. So that is just a sample of the feedback we received from a packed house in suburban Detroit about three weeks ago to our first sneak peek uh, of Nefarious, the first time the general public got to see it. A lot of you are asking me questions. Hey, you know, how do I sell this to my pastor with the R rating? Um, some of the, you know, the way that you guys are marketing the film, or you're a pastor wondering, hey, you know, how do I even sell this to my own people? Had a chance to talk to one of the pastors at the screening afterwards. Here's that conversation. My name is Pete Dresser. I'm pastor of Metro Detroit Christian Church in West Bloomfield here in Southeast Michigan. And I, I just uh, watched the movie Nefarious. Fantastic, brilliant film. Steve, thank you so much for this movie. Um, it's, it is a needed film today. I have a question though as, as a pastor that other pastors might have. It's an R-rated movie, mm -hmm. some pretty intense scenes in there. Mm -hmm. Is this a movie I should invite my congregation and 
maybe youth groups too. What, what are your take? What's your take on that? We actually had a, a, one of the major theater chains uh, told us that they thought the movie was uh, Fight Club for youth groups, meaning that they thought it was uh, subversive the way that Fight Club was 30 years ago, uh -huh. without all the profanity and everything else that that movie had. Yeah. But it did deal, honestly, albeit crudely, with real themes of fading masculinity in American culture. Yeah. And that this film, in a similar way, deals with the churches fading away from the from from the fight, kind of the churches fading masculinity, if you will, as a yeah. metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. And that the yeah. young people who would sense that something's not right and the church should be more active and in the fight, they yes. would they would connect with that. Now, of course when you get an R rating, the concern now is the youth group parents are going to say, oh, we absolutely can't have our kids go. Yeah. You've seen the movie. There's yeah. no, in comparison to what typically gets rated R, there's no way this is a rated R no. film. No. And it's very clear that they, the MPAA rated the movie R in the hopes that the youth group families yeah. would not let their kids come to yeah. see the movie and get fired up and get um, yeah. inspired to get into the fight. Yeah. It is an intense film. Yeah. There's no question. It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't pull any punches, but it's not a rated R movie in any way, shape, or wow. form. That's really good to hear. You know, as a pastor, I think this film is really needed. I think we need to understand the nature of evil. And I think we need to, the church needs to step up to the plate mm -hmm. and understand the nature of demonization. Mm -hmm. It's, we're dealing with it. it it's, it's scriptural. It is, it is, you know, Jesus comes on the scene and a third of his ministry is dealing with demons in people's lives. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate it. Um, um, how that is, you're bringing that to the light with your film. And it's a challenge to the church right now. Mm -hmm. well, Talk to me about what you see, see how the church is, is, is dealing with the nature of evil today in today's culture. There's, there's, the whole film is, is, is to provoke you. Yep. Both to provoke the unbeliever yeah. and then also to provoke the believer. Yeah. And there's a there's a there's a key line that is aimed right at the church early in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it is when Edward says, "I didn't know this was a fight." Yeah. And the fairy says, "That's why you're losing." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, I I come from the political world. Yeah. And and. When I first got into this, it was very common for me to do interviews on CNN or MSNBC. Yeah. Uh, I, I had the, the New York Times sent a features writer to my home for nearly a week to do a profile on me. Now, of course, my political values are different than all these outlets, but we could still actually talk to each other, yeah. uh, treat each other humanely and, yeah. and, and fairly. That's all changed in just the last decade. Yes. And what I notice in the political world, Pastor, is that it used to be I could see why someone had certain beliefs different than me on certain issues, that they maybe just think that this is a better way to treat the human condition politically than I yeah, do, yeah. or it's a different way. Yeah. We are doing things now, though, that no one benefits from. There is no benefit to the eradication of gender, for example. There is no benefit to it. Yeah. And when we start dealing with issues in the political realm or the natural, as you would probably put it, when things seep over into the natural that, have, that don't seem to benefit anybody, we have to start asking ourselves a simple question. Who's behind that? Totally. Who's pushing that? Totally. And, and, and it's, it's very clear that these aren't things that human beings, even in our sinful state, yeah. we still are the Imago Dei. In our right mind, 
we would not knowingly say as a society, we should have drag queen story time hour at a library. Yeah. Yeah. Whether we go to church, we know who yeah. Jesus is or not, yeah. in our right mind, in the Imago day, we would not say that's a good idea. Yeah. So why are we saying that's a good idea right now? Yeah. These things aren't political. What's going on in our culture right now, I have no other conclusion other than it's demonic. Yeah, you know, I recently had a meeting at my church where we've been now um, inviting people to our church to, to hear testimonies from some of our young adults. And in this last meeting, some of our young adults were saying that the ideology that is currently being um, uh, perpetuated in our culture, they began receiving that ideology as children and young adults before they were ever taught it. Grooming. Before they were in school. And so there was actually demonic presence mm -hmm. grooming them mm -hmm. with things about gender fluidity and, and, um, uh, and all sorts of views on racism and all these things that are now part of, 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 of the progressive movement. Mm -hmm. It's being demonically put into a generation. And I think we have a unique opportunity right now. I, I think of the last few years, and uh, there are people that I just have a host of disagreements with, like Russell Brand, Bill Maher, and yet they are noticing some of the same ominous trend lines in the yeah. culture that people like you and I are, are, yeah. are noticing as yeah. well. There is a unique opportunity, I think, right now to strike when it comes to telling the truth. Yeah. But, but the problem we have culturally is there's almost no place left where real persuasion can happen. Yeah. We think the one place left in Western culture where real persuasion can happen in the public square is storytelling. And it makes sense, right? When the wow. Lord came, yeah. most of his teachings yes. were parables or stories. Yes. When we are converted and, and then our own story, our own testimony, that's our story. Yes. We get the Bible, that's the greatest story ever told. And so this is an opportunity for now, especially because the other side, look at a lot of the movies. We're sitting here in a, in a beautiful theater, but a lot of these movies, they used to tell really good stories and then, and then seep their worldview in. Yeah. Now they're doing it very heavy handed, very ham fisted and it's ruining their storytelling we can now be the ones that say, you know what? We're gonna just tell a really good story and it just so happens to have our belief system. And yeah. so there's a, there's a great opening right now if we take advantage of it. I just don't know how long that opening will be available. Though. Yeah, yeah, it's imperative that the church wake up see the battle, see the nature of, of evil, but also see the nature of what God wants to do mm -hmm. in people's lives by his power. Mm -hmm. So let me, so, let's close off, let me yeah. ask you a question. Yeah. What would you say to your parents about, hey, we're gonna go April 14th when this movie comes out, we're taking the youth group. And, and when I say youth group, we're talking like high school age kids, obviously. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna take the high school kids to see this yeah. movie, even though it's rated R. Yeah. Parent comes up to you and says, I don't know if that's a good idea. What yeah. would you say to them? I, I, would, I would tell them the nature of the execution scene mm -hmm. and encourage them to, to go mm -hmm. and, and be there to talk about it with their kids afterward. But absolutely, they need to see it. Well, we made this movie so that after people walk out of the theater, pastors like you and congregations like yours can take their unbelieving friends and family members out to ice cream, out to coffee, out to yeah. dinner, and, and we've forced them to confront evil, and now you've got an opportunity now to show them the light. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Thank Appreciate you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Some of the first reactions to the movie from a few weeks ago in suburban Detroit. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Uh, it's encouraging. I think, listen, m make this simple in terms of your answer to the question that the pastor asked about kids. This is, your culture, and as Steve said earlier on the show, yeah, you, everywhere, you aren't hiding from it anywhere. Your culture is currently rated Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? 
So no, there is no excuse. You can dislike the movie. You can think it's bad. You can think a lot of things about it. You, you, you cannot, as a Christian in good conscience, say somehow that your, your generic teenage kid cannot see this movie. That's quite, I'm just telling you point blank, that's not a Christian response. You may have individual children at a certain age more emotional than others, that one kid maybe, but no. Generally, if you won't let your eighth grade kid see this because it's simply rated R, you're not preparing them as a Christian for the world that they have to confront and confront right now. And that world that we have to confront, particularly in the West, which we mean America, is producing people like who we saw yesterday. Now, this is the latest in a string of, of mass shootings by people who, who claim various stripes of the rainbow jihad flags. The Colorado Springs nightclub shooting back last year, person who claimed to be non-binary. Mm-hmm. Denver, Colorado charter school shooting a few mm-hmm. years ago, transgendered. Maryland office park shooter a few years ago claimed to be transgendered. But this one, this one went after a Christian school. I don't know if you guys have gone on their website. It is a legit Christian school. Like they believe Jesus is who he says he is. And they preach that. And this person targeted children. If you are not prepared to arm your children with the truth, about what they are actually stepping into. Turn out the lights. Amen. We are back at it again tomorrow, noon to two Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. For subscribers, we're going to stick around, record overtime for you right now that you'll watch later today at blazetv.com slash days. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.